Welcome to G Talk. dedicated to helping you discover your purpose by helping you build intimate relationships and a lifestyle of thankfulness. Listen to us today as we discuss a new challenging topic aimed to encourage you and to challenge you, but most importantly, to build you up in your relationships with each other and with God. Stay tuned. Welcome to JTalk, and we are your hosts, Terrence and Adara Clark, and uh, this is Terrence coming to you today once again, as we've been uh, over the last, these last few weeks, just uh, digging into just some encouraging things in the book of Revelation, and the guy, the idea has been to in, challenge you, encourage you, but speak to you really about some things I feel like the Lord is really wanting us to know, that you and I would study his word to show ourselves approved, right, even as he teaches us to, but even you know, Revelation is one of those books that oftentimes does not get the, the really the time that uh, that it probably deserves, especially when you consider it's the Lord's last love letter to us, his people, his body, his bride. And therefore, it's really an important part, I believe, to really preparing ourselves for these times that we're living in today. And so there's just a few things that I've been wanting to highlight and uh, through these few weeks. And after highlighting them, we'll jump back into, uh, Darren and I would jump back together again and begin teaching and talking once again on, on the topics as we have. We have some new things coming, looking forward to those things. And so stay with us. Please love to hear from you. Uh, don't hesitate to email. You can always reach us. Um, you can email us, tclark at hope dash four, the letter U, the number four letter U dot org. You can always reach me that way. And uh, that's just one of the many ways that, uh, you would love to hear from you, love to hear whether you're receiving and, and how, how the Lord's speaking to you. Okay, so this week, and there's a lot of information. We started last week, we're looking at the church of um, uh, Pergamos, and uh, we began looking at some of the serious things that I think um, the challenges that um, they were dealing with and how it relates to us. It was considered to be the church of compromise and really there was an attack against it uh, in order to compromise. And we talked about the city of Pergamus, you know, Pergamon. Uh, we talked about uh, some of the things that were taking place in that city and just trying to give some highlights so that we can really appreciate some of the things that the church was going through and dealing with and even how it relates to us today. Because remember the whole idea that the Lord was speaking to them about is that the enemy had this attack and desire to see them begin compromising and to wear them out. And remember, we're looking at three phases, right? Like we've been doing, we're looking at the church as it, as it was in that day, right? The day that Jesus speaking to John, probably in the late 90s, um, early 90s, uh, after the Lord's death, probably in that time, there's some, there some talk about whether it was the 90s or earlier, but Let's just for the sake of, of conversation without getting into that, just say, okay, right around 90, 95 AD. And uh, the, so the, the, the status of the church at that time, and then we talked about the fact that this represents seven time periods. And we said that the church of Pergamon 
really is between about 312 and about uh, 606. So, again, I want to thank uh, PKD. I call him PKD, Paul Keith Davis, for his uh, just appreciate him. Um, uh, things that he's put out there. I love for you if you if you haven't just go check out Paul Keith Davis, uh, his uh, his um, website and a lot of the information that he's got, podcasts and so forth. Excellent stuff where he really digs in deep into the Book of Revelation a whole lot more than what I'm doing. So feel free to uh, go there and 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 pick that up and and learn from him. Um, but it, in terms of this this uh, time period. What's important to understand is, and I'm not digging, there's so much uh, information as I've shared, but what I'm trying to highlight here is the connection between the things that you and I need to be prepared as the Lord would be sharing with us. You know, what are the highlights? What are the things that you and I need to be thinking about and praying about? And how we need to be careful based on things that are happening in our time frame? And that's really what this is about. And so um, some of the keys right? The keys in these scriptures that, uh, that you and I need to be really, uh, understanding, right? And, and it's, and he, he, he says that the, the trouble was that where they were living was an actual place where Satan's throne is. We talked about that again last week and he told them to hold to his name. Um, and he says, you hold to my name and you did not deny my faith. Even when, and we talked about Antipas being martyred, and how he was martyred and why he was martyred and uh, who was killed, you know, where Satan dwells. And we know that, you know, as I talked about last week. And so, if, of course, you didn't hear, you haven't heard it. Please go back and catch last week's uh, podcast. And so, uh, but the idea here is he says that his, the thing that the Lord had against them. And let's dwell here for a second because he says you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block. So there's a doctrine here that they have taken on. And what was that doctrine? Well, we know that Balaam taught, he put a stumbling block because in his mind, remember Balaam was the one that tried to curse Israel, but couldn't. When he went to do it, he kept blessing them instead. And, and it really became a problem. But what he did understand and know was that if he couldn't curse them, he did realize that they can be cursed themselves if they got themselves into sin. And so his idea was to create uh, stumbling blocks to put situations in their lives that would cause them to begin doing the wrong thing. And remember, that is the key. That is the key to what we're talking about in this time frame, because we've talked about the church at that time. We've talking about the time period of 300. And then we're talking about today because we know that the culmination of all this happens at the end of the age, which is what we're living in right now. So it is the idea that there are, first of all, uh, this, this commitment to uh, causing the people to be, to stumble, right? To, to catch, get caught up in wrong belief systems. And then he goes on to talk about the importance of sexual, you know, that that was a, a great deal of it had to do with the sexual uh, temptations and so forth that were going on. That was part of the lifestyle of the city. And if you look around today, I'd say that was a big that would be a big piece of what's happening today. Doctrines have changed. It's like, you know, when you think about it today, there's so many people saying, well, 
you know, this, there's really an element and, and I, let's, let's call it what it is, is compromise where we saying, well, you know, God's a God of love and, and he is, and therefore, you know, therefore he understands. And so we're seeing a lot of changes in our, the way that we live, the way that we choose to live, especially around, you know, we can talk about the divorce rate. We can talk about uh, people today where it's pretty standard now to live together rather than be married. Uh, we can talk about uh, the changes of even whether or not, you know, what's acceptable in terms of, of um, you know, what is your your choice? And I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the terms. It's, I don't know why I get, you know, it's like you, you talk about things all the time and then all of a sudden you get into a scenario and you're like, why can't I think of how to say that? But, you know, you know, we, there's a lot of things when it comes to um, the types of lifestyles that people are living today. And um, so there's a lot of choices and a lot of decisions being made. And a lot of things are changing about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And so the expectation is, oh, you know, God loves everybody. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter what this or that is. Yes, God loves everybody. There's no question. doesn't matter. Your sexual orientation has nothing to do with God's love. God loves us all. But he does. He, he is very clear about who we are and what we are. And he is very clear about um, our choices and decisions and what he considers to be uh, pure and clean and what is not. And his word is, is, is very clear about some of those things. And there isn't a big, there's a big attack against that. There's a big attack on people who who speak you know, towards that or against that or certain ways, living a certain lifestyle. And there are numerous things in which he wants to hold us to, people want to hold us to. And that's what I'm just talking about. What I'm saying is that there is an adjustment or there is a change in the way in which we are living our lives today. There's a compromise. The whole idea is to get people to compromise and to begin questioning the things that God particularly had said in his word. And that's really the important piece. The important piece is, you know, as we look at that, he goes on to talk about the fact that he says, so we have doctrines of Balaam. Then he says, thus, you also have those who hold to the doctrines of Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. There's not a lot of things in scripture that you can find the Lord saying, I hate. But he says he hates the doctrine of the Nicolaitans as well. And we've talked a little bit about that in when we were in the last book, you know, in the last church. But it's interesting to notice that that in the last church, they weren't doctrines. If you go back to, you know, to the book of, you know, the book of the church of Smyrna, he says back there when we were looking at Smyrna, that these were uh, issues that were uh, that simply or excuse me, it was actually in the first church in Ephesus that he says that they were deeds. So now they've moved from deeds, things that people were doing. So we've we've escalated we've escalated from things that people have done to something now being doctrinal and do we understand what that means how things how and it's really interesting because it's something that we need to think through you have certain things that you know things that people are saying and doing right it's like we have seen this i've seen this in my lifestyle in my lifetime here where we've had things people were doing things they were doing deeds that we would call, you know, that's not that's not godly or that's not the way the Lord wants to do it. 
And here we are 30 years later. And now in many places, they are now considered doctrines, you know, doctrines are of, of, of what we were accepting. We're accepting these behaviors. We're accepting these lifestyles because of where we where we're at today. You know, we're, there's been just numerous things. Last week, I talked a little bit, uh, quite a bit about Athenia, uh, um, Minerva, uh, this this goddess uh, that was a big part of their society, and and it's important because the society or these this this um, uh, goddess really affected the thinking of the entire society, and so it was affecting the way the church was functioning as well because there was a real movement towards this the the empowering of women and the sacrificing of children and what's interesting to me is how often that we don't take and utilize and understand these elements today to when we are dissecting scripture and reading scripture for instance we know that these were the that were these goddesses existed okay athena uh, particularly there were other, you know, Diana, uh, these goddesses played a, a major role in how the women were in some of these areas. The women had really taken a very strong position in some places. They were, the women were looked up to because of their ability to withhold sexual gratification from men. And therefore they were empowered greater, higher. And so what began to happen and what's interesting is that when Paul is teaching in his word and he speaks against when he says, you know, I will not permit a woman to teach. And it's interesting that in the cities that he or in the books that he says this, there are also cities that had these women goddesses. And it's funny how we just in our society have just said in many places that just means women are not supposed to be in authority or in teaching and preaching and, you know, that kind of thing. When really, in reality, we haven't even taken the time to recognize that it probably most likely was the problem that that there was a a there was a what do you call it? A there was a, a a bad teaching in those in those areas where women had taken authority and they had actually become abusive in some ways and empowering themselves over men. And I really believe that Paul was really more addressing that issue then he was addressing the issue about women in leadership, which is what we've turned it into. And I'm just interested, it's interesting to me that we don't talk about that at all, that we don't hear that at all, or very rarely do we hear that, and it's just swept under. But that had a, that played a major role in the society, and so did this, sexual immorality in the, in the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which is very important for you and I to understand. Jesus here, here, Jesus wants to empower you and I. When he came, he came so that you, like me, would have direct access to God. He came to empower you and I to take away every obstacle and every force and every peace that would keep you and me from having a direct relationship straight up with God. He wanted that to occur. He wanted there to be no longer hearts of stone but he wanted hearts of flesh and he wanted to enter back into a personal one-to-one -one relationship like it had originally been when he originally made man in the garden 
The idea was that he wanted individual people to connect with him individually. And what we find in the book of Acts is that this liberation takes full, full hold and all of a sudden you have people, average people, all people reaching out into the community and raising up the standard of love towards God and seeing people of all colors, nations, you know, and it took some time. I mean, I get it. And, you know, I know we don't have time to go through all of that today. But yes, the, you know, first it was the Jews and then it went to the Gentiles and, you know, and it began to, you know, overtake Rome and in the Greek God. And it, it took over. But the idea was that they were free. And when you look at it, there was no there was no control. When you look in the book of Acts. Other than the fact that from time to time, they would come back and make sure that they got complete understanding from the leadership as to what was important and not important and what they needed to teach and not teach. And from time to time, the leadership would go out in order to lay hands and to, you know, set up certain things, leaders and that kind of thing. Other than that, the church was it said it went from house to house. The word of God went from breaking of bread from home to home. And what that meant was. You and me, the average person, anyone was empowered to go and to know the Lord and to receive instruction and to determine what God was saying to them and to begin to go out into the world and to um, make disciples of all people. You know what's interesting is that changes right around 300 AD. Right in this time period, there was something that rose up and we know that that Rome they, they made, there was a decision that was made that Rome become, became Christian. It's like, well, we can't beat them, join them. We know that at, at, at right, around, right around this time period, that Rome, that Christianity had taken over to about 50%. Over 50% was now Christian. And this had happened in a short time. But what ended up happening was Rome then becomes and declares that they too uh, would be Christian. And so something then immediately begins to happen is that Rome begins to set up a church of its own and it begins to formulate a doctrine and it begins to set up leaders and everything then had to then run through the leadership of Rome. Everything had to be accepted through these priests. And it really changed everything. It's funny because what what Rome could not do uh, by trying to bring persecution to the church, it was able to do by joining the church. And what we see is for the next, you know, 1500 years, or maybe it wasn't that long, it would be about 1200 years. What we saw was roughly, you know, millions and millions, probably another 40 to 50 million Christians killed in some way uh, through the hand of Rome, you know, and, you know, the church, we should say, so-called church. We really should not call the church because it really wasn't. We know that the church has always been alive. The true body of Christ has always been alive and not ones that have persecuted and killed others, but have loved, supported and built up. But through this institution, Let's call it the Nicolaitans, because that's really what it became, is this, 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 organized, this organized way in order to empower, you know, a, a, an organization, so to speak, to 
control the church, right? All the Bibles were taken away, right? All the scriptures were taken away from people and they were pushed into the hands of those who were considered priests or those who were considered the leaders of the church at that time. And what it did was it took the laity, right? Nicolaity, the Nick, it took it in, it took away the power of the laity and pushed it back into what we call the priesthood, you know, or the, you know, the clergy, so to speak. And so that was a huge change that Christ said, I hate, I don't want to see that life. I want people to, I want people to be free to continue to hear my spirit and to function and to live out uh, their life, knowing who I am and what I'm speaking to them and for them to, to live that out. Not to say, I'm not saying that there should not be leadership and there should not be, uh, you know, a, 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 an organism in which the church would live in. Yes, there were, there was supposed to be, there was always Christ's body. And as he said, but remember, uh, Ephesians 4 tells us that he called apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he tells us why. He says for the working, right? So that they can, they can basically, these individuals can build up the body so that they can do the work of the ministry. If you stop today, what you find is that the work of the ministry has been pushed back into them. And now the people are not doing the work of the ministry. And that alone is something that takes going to take a whole lot more time than I've got today. But it's what I want you to start thinking about. That's all I'm trying to do is lay out some things that Jesus was saying. I want you to be careful about. I want you to take note on. I want you to be to recognize that these things are important and these things can get in the way of you fulfilling your purpose in your calling. So it's imperative today that you and I find our place because he's saying, repent or I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Again, the sword of his mouth was the word of the Lord. What the Lord wants is for you and I to obey his word. He doesn't want us to obey um, uh, things that we have, you know, tradition. And in a lot of senses, you know, we carried on tradition, but Jesus has always said, I want you to obey me. I want you to obey my word. I don't want you to obey tradition. I don't want you to get into a scenario where, you know, it's like, that's what I came to free you of. I want to give you the freedom to hear my spirit and to move according to my spirit and according to my plan. He's like, I love you. And I have, I have a spirit that lives, that needs to, that wants to live and dwell in you. And he wants to lead you and guide you to truth. That's the truth that I need for you to live out and do. I'm not saying that I don't want you to have leaders in your life who speak into you and encourage you and build you up, but I don't want you to be stuck from doing the things that I'm calling you to do because someone else may not agree or believe that you are. But if I'm telling you to do that, I want you to go and I want you to, to respond and I want you to hear what I'm saying. And so there's a real call and he tells him, he says, if you have an ear to hear me, I'm going to give you the hidden word. 
to eat. I'm going to, I'm going to speak to you personally. I'm going to give you, a, you know, he said, I will give him a white stone and on stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. He's talking about something that's very personal. He's talking about something that only he can reveal. He's not talking about something that we can get from someone or something else. And I'm and you know, and it's funny because I know that in, in what I'm sharing, it's so easy for people to hear to hear it. And I was having a conversation this week and saying, isn't it funny how we love to highlight the, you know, there is the, you know, we have the exceptions in the rule and someone brings up something and we start, start using the exception as the argument when rather than the rule. And so what I'm saying is the rule is in place. I mean, the majority of us, you know, are part of a faithful church and we've been going for years and da, 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 da. So, you know, it's like, so people start, well, they'll come and say, oh, so you're speaking against leadership. No, I am not. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it's in, that's it, it's imperative. We're moving into this season, and I believe that all of us are going to need to know the Lord's word for ourselves individually. And I'm saying, that's all I'm saying is that we need to know what the Lord is telling us to do. We need to be able to obey him, what he's saying and what he's doing. We need to know his voice. His word says, my sheep, they know my voice and they will not follow someone who is false. They will not follow someone who doesn't know me. My sheep will hear my voice and they will follow me. And that's what I'm saying to you today, to know his voice. Follow the Lord. Go where he leads you to go. That's the important word in this time today. That's what I'm trying to leave you with today. And I just want to encourage you to be encouraged and be strengthened, to recognize there's a lot of things happening right now, but you and I need to know who the Lord is and what he's telling us to do. And so go in peace, go in joy. That's really all the time that I have, especially for, with, there's so much I can, I can dig with this and maybe someday I will, but right now I just wanna encourage people to be wise as the serpents, but gentle as the dove, right? hearing the word and recognizing the dangers that are in front of us, but being faithful to be a part, connected with people in the body of Christ, but going and doing what God is calling you to go and do and joining hands and accomplishing the purposes. So be blessed, be at peace, and go and uh, do those things for the Lord. Amen. Talk to you again next week. G-Talk is a ministry of Hope For You International, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can find us on the web at thankfultoday.com and gtalk.info. You can also find us on Facebook at The Thankful Today.